In regards to my opinion on the hosts of 9000, I believe they are trying to achieve a better future for our world. They are the future of mankind. We should respect them and look up to them. I like the BBC. I like documenter filmmaker Adam Curtis. I think he is awesome. I think we will be extinct one day. History is not doomed to repeat itself. What? He would come to believe that what we think of as the self is really just a small part of something else hidden inside our brains. A much larger part of the brain. What? We should respect him and look up to them. They're trying to achieve a better future for our world. They're the future of mankind. I can't get them out of my head. I like the BBC. I like documentary filmmaker Adam Curtis. I think he is awesome. I can't get you out of my head. I think we will be extinct one day. History is not doomed to repeat itself. I'm scared of boxy content. Welcome to 9000 Plus BBC presents 9000 Plus BBC. Welcome indeed, my robotic friend and co-host, GPT3. Welcome to, well, you know, uh, we're here um, as emissaries from mankind. Let me finish my banana. You eat that banana while I describe the many ways in which we should be respected and revered for what we're trying to do here. Um, (laughs) I'm sure Adam Curtis feels the same way. He's no doubt listened to episode one. Now we are on episode two. Uh, I believe the title of that episode is Shooting and Fucking Are the Same. Watch your language. Excuse me. Well, I mean, if you look at the YouTube clip, Dave. It's F. 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 Asterisk. 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 What are you going to do to an asterisk? Oh. Oh. So here we are, Mark. We're at episode two of Can't Get You Out of My Head. (laughs) Can't Get the Mask on Your Face. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and things continue to spiral. A, <laughs> a bleaker picture. You made me spit of a chunk, the tw- of, chunk of banana into my mouth. <laughs> things are just gross. spiraling all over the place. Oh, oh are you eating oh, it out of your mouth? There's a chunk of banana in it. Man, we really are doomed. If that's oh happening. God, all right, I'm done. Did it taste like a sneeze? How long have you been wearing? Is that a brand new fresh mask? Mm, no. Are you trying to pretend like you're a doctor with that mask? Why do you say that? I don't know. It just looks like a... It's just a disposable. Yeah. We have a box of these, too. Oh, just throwing them away willy-nilly, huh? (sighs) Got to prioritize your damage to the world. I guess so. Tell that to the sea turtle who choked on your mask, Mark. Um, Be that as it may, we are here to discuss this docuseries. Hey, Adam Curtis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the parallels are undeniable, Mark. I agree. I'm going I'm to re- revert to the YouTube comments from episode one. Make sure you have that clip ready for episode two. Well, tell me when. I don't need that clip now, right? You're just no. 
this is like a this no this is just a retroactive yeah what was the i'm trying to remember the um adam curtis drinking game it's every time I think he says, and then something surprising Oh, yeah. Happens. No, take a shot every time there's a dark, dangerous, or destructive force unleashed. Or there's a dream world haunted by ghosts. So I'm just saying you're right in line with that kind of thinking. I think so. What I've realized about this documentary is that it it really just taints your whole view of the world. If you're really... Taint? It, it tickles your taints in such a way that nothing looks the same anymore. Mm. At least for me. I don't know about you. It's its own sort of conspiracy theory. Case in point, Mark. Or conspiracy. If I may. Or maybe uh, just a theory. So, as you know, I think... I, have we discussed on our flagship podcast, 9000, which you should definitely check out if you haven't already. Uh, I am a subscriber to the Criterion channel. We have discussed that. Um, so, I was watching... I was watching you trying to derail me by playing with the worship tambourine. <laughs> it is interesting. My son is a percussionist. Yep. He wanted a tambourine. Did you have to buy the worship tambourine it with was the, the crosses? Only one they really had. Oh. The only hand tambourine. That's with how a, they get you. With, with a skin top. The other one with a skin top was like $120. This one was 40 Skin? What kind of skin? Well, I mean, they call this a skin. Like a, yeah, well, what's on it? You want me to see what it made Animal of? hide? This hardly seems worth... But it's not vegan. I have no idea, Mark. Yeah, I bet you don't. It doesn't feel like Over here hide. giving me shit for my little mask. This feels synthetic, Mark. And you're buying animal hide tambourine for worship. All right, Mark. What kind so of worship are you doing over here? I was watching a documentary on the Criterion Capitalism. Channel. That's what you're worshiping. Oh, like you don't worship at that altar either. Never. I mean, come on. You're, you're shopping an Old Navy, bro. You give me a break. You had an Old Navy t-shirt on last you time. You know damn well level of interest in consumerism is higher there than it is here. I don't know. I think buying selectively more, maybe more expensive items, but items that are going to last for a decade is a little more responsible than loading up on stuff at Old Navy that you wear till it What if I buy stuff from Old Navy that lasts a decade? I'd be shocked if that were the case, Mark. Although I do see that you have a Dry Fly Armory t-shirt yeah. from our good friend. Uh, How's the Dry Fly Armory doing it in this pandemic? He's doing good. I do want, uh, would like to give a shout out, though. His, his bulldog, Bruno, oh. passed away at 13 and a half years old. It's a tough he, time. I lost a dog as well. He was one of the best dogs ever. He was one of those bulldogs that could skateboard. And not only could he skateboard, if there was a skateboard in his midst... He could not do anything but skateboard. He would mow. He would run down a child to get to a skateboard if he had to. He loved shredding that much, Mark. Rips so, Bruno. Rip in peace. You rips know? P. Because he continues to rip. Rest in yeah, rips. Rest well, know, in peace. There's rest in peace, but also there's rip in peace, bro. Oh, rip in peace. He's still he's ripping in the great beyond on oh, a yeah. on a skateboard in the sky. So, Mark, I'm watching a documentary. Not this docu-series. I'm watching a documentary on the Criterion channel called The Festival, or is it just... I think it's just Festival. And it is a, it is a documentary about the Newport Folk Festival. Ooh. In that documentary... Now you've piqued my interest. In that documentary, I mean, there's all kinds of... It's an interesting one. Usually, you know, usually a music festival documentary, they'll just have full performances by each band, you know, so you get the flavor of it what? all. Yeah. This has a lot of little quick performances by certain 
musicians that throughout the years or in those pivotal no, years of the yeah, I think it was just one year. Why don't you why don't is this you, the Bob Dylan going electric year? Well that is in it, yeah. Oh yeah. Mike and, Bloomfield on his telecaster. That's right, but well I think wasn't he backed by the Butterfield Blues band? Well no, Mike Bloomfield. Oh not Butterfield? Who would then join the Butterfield Blues Band? Mike Bloomfield, not Butterfield. Different person. Cool your jets. A very uh, an unknown, not an unknown, but never, never got the acclaim he should have. Guitarist. All right. Um, Who died? Well, you tend to get a little more acclaim <laughs> after you die. I'm sure there was. He was a, good. A media obituary. He was in that wave of. Reinvigorating the blues with electric guitar. So anyway, Newport Jazz Festival, Dylan getting booed off the stage. What a seminal moment. I don't know that he necessarily got booed off. It oh, didn't seem yeah. that way to me. Were you there, bro? I've seen the footage. They're angry at him. Some are. And the legend goes that Pete Seeger, I think, tried to yank the yank cord. Yank the cord. <laughs> Shut right. him down. Like, what is this nonsense? All right, but let's think about that. And it was really good. Well, think about what we've just discussed in context of this docuseries. You have... Powers. Well, no, but you have Pete Seeger, who represents kind of a more communal, not, I guess like a socialist way of thinking, right? Like, let's come together. Protest music. Yeah, but let's come together. Yeah. We are greater together than alone. We'll, we'll band our strength together and, and make change that way. It's more of a... And Dylan didn't want any ...consolidated of communal effort. Then you've got... That's fair. ...this... He didn't want to be part of that movement. Well, you've got this ribald... You like that word? Individualist... Entering into the midst. Well, do you want me to take it into the 2021 lens? In a second. Jewish. Ooh. Okay, but more importantly, I think just in a, in a broader stroke. Anti-Semitic moment in the Newport Jazz Festival. Let's cancel it right now. I, I don't know if that's what the problem was, but Maybe but it's interesting it. to me that not only was he this... I, I agree. I don't think Pete This Seager individualist was. who came in... Yes, and completely disrupted things, not just at that festival, but in popular music altogether. Yes. But what's even crazier is like half of these other folk groups are singing his songs. He came right. in, he had this whole catalog of like these beautiful, gut-wrenching protest songs. But at the same time, so all these songs get adopted as, as gospel by this movement. But at the same time, he kind of doesn't give a shit about them. <laughs> no, I, have you seen? There's a Dylan documentary you should watch. Well, there's a couple. Coming Home? No direction home. No direction home. There's one that's just sort of impressionistic. There's one that's act. Yeah, I mean that's exactly true. He was the darling of the protest movement, but didn't care about being the darling of the protest movement. He wanted not. to do something else. That's right. It's and, he, so, and they rejected him. But did they? They did. But then they couldn't because he was too big. Well, but my point in telling you that story is that I'm seeing the world through this. I like it. Adam Curtis lens now. The dark and mysterious forces were unleashed. Well, not even that. And it's the more about power structure. We didn't like it and tried to yank the micro, yank the power plug. It wasn't so much that. It was just how the individualism, what okay. that looks like in the modern world. Mm. And that was like a moment of inception. Excellent point. Well, thank you very much, Mark. Welcome to BBC Plus N9000. We are here exploring the docuseries Can't Get You Out of My Head. Episode two, shooting and effing and farting are the same thing. Ah, Quinn came up with a word last night. Foop. Foop. Quinn, so my youngest child is very, uh, she does not like ribald language or adult themes. She, no. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought the, she was the one who was like asking people if they'd make out with her. <laughs> 
<laughs> what? I thought there was like some sort of note you found that said like, will you make out with me? Yes or no. Am I, am I misremembering? Oh, I think that might've been just a creative exit. That wasn't an actual proposition. I didn't think it was an actual proposition, oh. but. Well, anyway, for whatever reason, she's reverted dramatically the other way. Well, good. Don't grow up too fast, Quinn. Well, it's not, but it's not even, like, you can't even, like, drop a swear word occasionally. It's like, <gasps> she's very puritanical about it. Harden the fuck up, Quinn. <laughs> so my point being that the word shart that? is not acceptable. Shart? Because it, well, it, be- it begins fart. with shit, right. It does. So she came up with foop. Foop. As a gentler a alternative. Foop. Anyway, well, moving on. I like foop. Foop, yeah, you can really... It's nice. That's like... To me, foop, shart... Well, if, if I may, shart's I, aggressive. Foop is gentle. Well, to me, a shart is like an unintended spray of material, it's, right? It's angular. Well, it's like a shotgun blast in your Absolutely, shorts. Absolutely, yeah. Where a foop... <laughs> it could be a little bloop. ...is more like a cannon, a little lead, be- a little lead bullet, like a... It's got some bloop. weight. It's just one, one hearty nugget. That, yeah, but that, does that happen? Do people accidentally drop a nugget? I guess you could. You're telling me you've never accidentally dropped a nugget, Mark? Come on. We're all adults here. <sighs> to begin explication of this episode, mm-hmm. let's see, I don't, we don't need to do all How many notes do I have here? Probably two. Oh, not too bad. No, not too bad. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote down, let's see, where was my, do you have cues before my cues? Do you have your own cues on top of my cues? Let's see. I think the first cue, actually... Because I, I want to do this in some sort of order. Well, let's let's go chronologically. The first cue is my cue. But what is it? Well, it's about Nazism. Nope. Then hold on. You don't have one before that. I just that, have a few little things before that that oh, aren't well, yeah. cues. That aren't cues. That aren't cues. Oh, well, go, go after you have, it, So man. we begin with that historical guy who idealized the old Britain and the rural way of life. Remember him? He was a novelist who set himself on fire. He, well, is that it, what you're talking about? That's my point, is that he, he would, they have a little clip of him. Very, You could tell he's slightly troubled by his own thought, but he's like, I see no other way, but this is human vermin. These people committing crimes, they need to be killed. And then he, yeah, he doused himself with paraffin and committed suicide. So what's that tell you? What was his crime? What was his undetected crime? Well, there's that, but it's like, why are people have so much conviction for these crazy ideas all the time? Over and over and over again. So much conviction. Well, and... If people were just less convicted... Well, I think he... More like, maybe I know something, maybe I don't, you know? A little more Buddhist. Buddhist, Josh... Uh, well, he wrote a book, too, called The Flute and the Bone, I think. <laughs> what was his name? McMaster? Mc... No. McMuffin. Uh, we don't know. But his book was about, like, some colonial colonialists or something, right? And they, yeah. they traveled to the Congo. It's a bold move to douse yourself in paraffin and... Dude, that's gnarly. Oh, that's beyond God. bold. But anyway, I think his book... In this book, right, these characters, if they read these uh, survivors' tales, they start hearing a flute playing, and then it drives them mad. That's right, and that comes back later it with comes back later, Mark. It comes back later. All right, then I have one other point before you get to your Nazis. Mark, I've got room for as many points. Because <laughs> leading into those Nazis. You can sling as many arrows as you like. The Chinese Cultural Revolution and the Red Guard, the formation of the Red Guard, and they have this moment where they talk about the little Red Guard. The little Red Guard. The kids who were instructed to... Root out disloyalty. The kids who abhor obscenity. <laughs> Fooping away. <laughs> the foop brigade. 
What I'm wondering is, do we have our own little red guards forming out there Ooh, right now? Do we? The Trump On social Americans? media? Could be either side of it, I guess. Yeah. Our own little red guards. The woke guard Watch out versus the, the woke little wokes. The Seuss guard. What's... What, what is the, I, I think that's one controversy I've somehow missed. What is the problem with Dr. Seuss? Uh, racially to... insensitive, if not outright racist depictions of Asians and others in lesser known books. Oh, but wait, why are the Republicans? And I think he might actually have been sort of a vocal anti-Semite. Well, that seems... Of the time. Rolled dollish of him? <laughs> yeah. Wait, but why are the Republicans grabbing onto it then? It's another example of woke gone amok. But aren't they How using dare it you cancel to like Dr. obstruct? Oh, okay. Anyway. I think the takeaway was like, why are they paying attention? This is what they got all excited about and it dominated the Fox News cycle. I see. When like, oh, we just passed $2 billion COVID relief bill. Oh, vaccine, you know, news was happening as well. We decided to harp on Dr. Seuss. Expert analysis from Mark Peacock Brush. Anytime, Josh. No. Those new to the podcast should know that he is a kingmaker in the natural product space. He is not just in a social critic non-parallel. Non-pariah. <laughs> he is not just a social pariah. Not non-parallel, as Josh likes to say. <laughs> I'd like to say Hit the cue. Don't you tell me what to do. Well, I've got the... Uh, You've got this little red guard rooting out the disloyalty, and then we do a parallel. We cut from that to Nazi Germany, as you say, and the way in which that movement, which you, well, here, let's just going to right. lead to some things you know well. Oh, excellent. Stalling. The student movement was astonished by the violent reaction of the German government. And Horst Mahler and other radicals began to think that the problem was far deeper than just individual Nazis. But maybe the whole Nazi system had also survived. Just hiding. And was hiding ah. behind the facade of modern capitalism. Still is. And then something surprising happened. And a they argued force that the very system of industrial rationality and bureaucratic control that had made the Nazi state so efficient had simply mutated. It had been taken up by the victors, above all by America, and was now being used to run the new global capitalism and the multinational corporations that were ruthlessly exploiting what was called the third world. Anything that stood in the system's way was bombed or burnt, with weapons created by the same rational industrial techniques that made the mass consumer goods. But oh, the people oh. in the West couldn't see this because they had been led into a dream world that used mass consumerism and sexualized imagery Hell to yes. trance and distract everyone. The fucking Grammys. Yeah, that's you and what? all your... What was that? <laughs> you kept that last little bit. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to fade out, hoping you didn't call attention oh, to it, sorry. but now I'll just leave it as is. It was a commercial for, like, pantyhose or something. Yeah. Early versions of sexualization, far removed from today's versions at the All right, Mark, I Grammys. think I, I won't withhold any, any more from you. You want to discuss the Grammys. No, I don't. I don't. That'll take us on some tangents we don't need to go on. Right. Isn't that an interesting concept, Josh? I'd never thought of that. That well, you think of like in a in a battle that, situation, to the victor go the spoils. In this case, apparently the spoils were this ruthless efficiency. 
Mm. But that that became that. Well, you said this earlier, I think, didn't you? Or it was in your notes before we started recording that this sort of American capitalism as the survival strategy for Nazi Germany. I said that. <laughs> oh, you said it. Oh, well. I mean, this mass consumerism is what became of that spirit, aside, I guess, from the attempted extem- you're extermination of a race. But old Nazi becomes old Navy. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, Josh, you're gonna, it's going to get us in trouble. It's well uh, said, but it's going to get oh, us in trouble. Hey, any, any press is good press, right, Mark? Mass consumerism, that theme is arising, and, the, and the, just the sedation of the populace by buying things and looking at titillating material. Whether it's a gyrating, empowered woman. Yeah. Or. Or. A nice silhouette on a cut of. What? <laughs> on, a, about? on a drop cut trouser. Oh, the drop cut trouser. Well, that, that's, a, that's an interesting twist on consumerism because I feel like that whole period of my life, I think I've, we've discussed this before, was almost <laughs> self-inflicted like masochism. You know? Yeah. Well, I guess all masochism is self-inflicted, isn't it? That's German. Very German of you. It is. It's a, it's a, you Where's your German face? You can't run up the stairs in those things. Habeburgel. I think they led me to have some is that mi- a German minor name? back problems. Habeburgel? Yeah. Yeah, it sure is, Mark. Oh, my God. That's right. There it is, in plain sight, hiding amongst us. What? A nice young man. Well, I guess I'm getting old now. Josh, my next question is, who is this H. Rap Brown? Do you remember him? H. Rap Brown. We then begin to approach the nascent civil rights movement, the Black Panthers. Is he the one who's being interviewed as he's pulled out of a police car? Yes, and he's sort of like, would would you assault me? Do you advocate... uh, Violence? Violence against Lady Bird Johnson or something? He's like... I'm worried about you. <laughs> yeah, I had a gun right now. I might shoot you. No, no holes barred, right? No but holes I've barred. I've never heard of this guy. We need to invest. And what a name! I want. Yeah, I wonder if H. Rap Brown. Why you wonder if rap music was named I was for H. Cur- rap Brown? You never know. Wikipedia might have a. I didn't bother. You didn't bother, huh? I thought you might know. Being the cultural effete and astute cultural effete that you are. You know what's funny about using the word effete is when we were talking about that novelist who set himself ablaze. Who I, was that? I was going to jot up. down. Um, what's the name of his novel? The Flute and the Cone? Bone. <coughs> I was going to write down a timestamp to pull from him because he uses the word effete. Oh, good for him. It's one of our favorite words. Wait, I just looked up The Flute and the Cone and that's what you told me not to do. The I said it was The, the Flute and the Bone. You did, you did. Uh, that's it's like the Mankiewicz. bone flute. Nope, that's a. I'm not getting it. Well, you might need an anti- antiquarian bookseller to find you that one, Mark. Adam Curtis. What if I add Adam Curtis to it? I know people are just—they're waiting on tender hooks. Tender hooks. Tender, tender, tender hooks. Well, here, let's listen to some thoughts. Well, go ahead and get the next cue from a burgeoning revolutionary. Yeah, I got some questions about this. Violence is okay, but you get nowhere with nonviolence. Oh. I like violence. Malcolm X started, but he ain't finished. Malcolm X set the, you know, set the idea. He rooted it rather in the minds of many blacks. He really started to think the ball rolling. You feel that violence is necessary in order to get rid of 
what you would call the oppression? It wouldn't get rid of it. But it will open, you know, some of Whitey's eyes to say, well, you know, we're not joking, we really mean what we say. Do you find yourself really hating white people? Mm, yes. Heavy. She goes on to make the point, like, you know, how many floors did my grandmother, great-grandmother scrub? How many babies did she raise for other people? Right. I just like how not deflecting. No. From the good journalism, actually, right? Like, well, let me ask you this. Do you hate white people? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Do you see a little smile when she says it? Like, mm, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's kind of cute. And I believe that was uh, Alice Faye Williams. That was Alice Faye Williams. My initial question was, was this a young Afeni Shakur? But it was not. Oh, it wasn't? No. Then it wasn't Alice Williams. Because that's her name? Yeah, Alice Faye well, Williams. Well, then it was. Becomes a Fenny Shakur, who is, you know who that is, right? Okay, no, you're right. I get that, but I don't think it's the same person. Oh, okay. Because a Fenny Shakur becomes a character in this episode as well. Absolutely. You know who she is also, right? Absolutely. I didn't know until I saw this, though. Yeah. I had never been a, a huge study student of Tupac. Neither had I. It's her son, and it's fascinating. Tragic, he was though. so he was indoctrinated in this sort of Black Panther a little bit, yeah, yeah. It, it threw his up. Indoctrinated is not meant to be a pejorative word. He, he brought it was brought up with it. Yes, it does not end well though. For none of them. Yeah, none of them. Per usual in this documentary. God, <laughs> Any, anyone this documentary touches, yeah, does not turn to gold. That's true. I've watched ahead a little bit now, and I'm trying to think: is does anybody? Nobody's doing well. The rich and powerful tend to come out unscathed. <laughs> yeah, but they're not admirable people. No, they suck. Huh. Oh, Adam. Have you watched the film... The Tw revolutionaries never win? No. Have you watched 12 Years a Slave? They get corrupted? I have not. We watched that movie recently. My youngest it son... sounds like something you would do as a white liberal. Well, my youngest son full was... Full of guilt. ...was actually at a birthday which party. Which is the next cue. And uh, so we watched it with my older son. I had not seen that movie. I think what I appreciated about it is that it had the tone of a horror movie often. Mm. And at first that was a little jarring to me, but then I'm like, no, that, that makes sense. This was straight up fucking horrific. What happened in this country and unfortunately continues to happen in this weird, deluded, pathetic form. It, well, if you look at it through the Curtis lens, you see it. It makes sense, right? Like, of course, it's this power holding on, doing yeah, everything it can. It's, it's consumed by fear and hatred. It's awful and self-loathing, really. That is a good question. Is it? At, but at its root, is it fear and hatred or is it just the maintaining power? Well, it seems like in, for white America, maybe you can't, it's, maybe you can't it's like separate. fear and self-loathing. Like, you watch a movie like that, yeah. you're like, how how can you not feel just terrible about <laughs> the history of this country? Like, well, how do you reconcile it other than don't. to kind of, like, not stare at it right in the face? You, like, hmm. try and skirt it. And there's someone staring at you right in the face. We just heard that clip. Yeah, and I'm kind of with her. White people suck sometimes. I mean, it's... It, how would you argue with that? I, I how would you say you shouldn't feel that way? Yeah. You can feel that way. Yeah. You damn well. It's a tough spot. What do we do from there? I don't know. But <laughs> we move on to another sound clip. 
Uh, what is the next sound clip? It should be about white liberals, Josh. It might be. I think we've actually got two clips about white liberals. Oh, no. When Michael X came out of jail, he found that the world had completely changed. This is yours. But not in the way he had hoped. The middle-class radicals, who only a year before had been his most fervent supporters, suddenly didn't want to know him anymore. In Notting Hill, no one talked of violent revolution or of bringing down the corrupt power structure. Instead, a new group had turned up. They looked like young radicals but they had a rather different agenda. Ah. And there's no more war. I'm glad you kept this. Because <laughs> there's no more war. He really holds that part an extra beat or two. Not, not a very good musician there, whoever that was. <laughs> it's a nice found piece of found footage. It is. Uh, Michael X in that. Uh, scenario is Michael Dufretis. Yes. As we learn in this documentary, he when Malcolm X... Cross paths with Malcolm in the UK and... Yeah, and follows him Wants around. to be him in... Well, in, he's mistaken for his brother at a hero. hotel. So they call him Michael X, and he's like, I will take that. Mm. I will happily be Michael X. Mm. But then uh, they make the point, he's giving a speech, an impassioned speech about what he believes in and gets arrested, while at the same time there's like uh, some white politician making a speech... All right calling for violence against immigrants and he does not get arrested. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I was thinking of a different moment it was the two, with the two funerals, but no, but before right. he goes to jail, he, he does have the support of some young white liberals who He's live got, in Notting Hill who are trying to sell his message. He's got some very notable support from people who come to his aid a couple of times named John Lennon and Yoko Ono. That's later. That's after he becomes Michael oh. X. I th- or that's, that's after oh, yeah. he gets out of prison, I think, isn't it? And he's, he starts like a new... His, his downward thing. spiral in Trinidad. And well, it's before that. He starts, not Trinidad. Where does he go? Oh, we'll get he starts it. a new organization that doesn't allow white people in, right? Isn't that when he gets some... <laughs> he, he can, like John and Yoko, shave their heads. They and shave their heads the and he sells and the, the hair the money, he, but he just pockets it. But he just pockets it. <laughs> Well, I think he's been jaded and worn down. There's the right? corruption of the revolutionaries is another recurring theme. It mm. is. Wait, let's. So there's actually another little bit about these uh, white liberals. Yeah, get to the heart of it. Well, I think what it is. You've, too, you've teed it up, but you haven't delivered the. Well, it's coming right up, but to me, this is like sort of the birth of, of hipsterism in a way. Ooh, doesn't it feel? Well, yeah, to you? absolutely. So uh, do-gooders entering into different communities trying to do good. Yeah, here it comes. You were reported to have said that whites who claim to help you are out to kill you. Do you um, still believe that? Yes, I'm thinking when I said that, I was referring to people who are described as white liberals. They are some of the most vicious people I find in Hmm. this country Hmm. for the simple reason anywhere, not just in this country. Because they're the kind of people who come to black neighborhoods ostensibly to help black people. Michael X had come to believe that the talk of revolution had just been empty rhetoric that disguised something else. The new groups might look like radicals and dance to black music, 
but really they were the children of the colonialists who had run the empire. And they had no intention of giving up their power. That old system of power was simply mutating, morphing into a new form that camouflaged itself in radicalism, but still would manage and control. I don't know if you can broad brushstroke call that hipsterism, but th- that is an element of it, right? It's like you cloak yourself in these yeah. uh, artifacts from a beleaguered class mm. Mm. while still behind the scenes enjoying that safety net. Yes. And, and the whole idea of that, they, that they're, I, I guess I hadn't thought of in terms of managing the people. Like you're getting in these neighborhoods and amassing data that you can then manage. And you know, Michael X doesn't like that. He doesn't. They're, 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 they're snakes in the grass, right? Snakes in the grass. And snakes I, in the grass. You know, I don't know if I, but like, it's, I feel like they're genuinely well-intentioned, probably even back then. I bet you even more so back then. Yeah. But they were part of a system and it's a subterfuge they didn't know about. Right. It's like they, they do want change, but like when it comes down to it, they don't want to give up their power. They wouldn't give up their own power as the, as the sons and daughters of the colonialists, but they feel the guilt and want to do something about it. Yeah. And then they're just fueling the system that they don't even realize. So then again, we have a similar strain of self-loathing and fear oh, emerging boy. everywhere. Ugh. <laughs> What's crazy to me, too... Again, uh, I'm looking at the rest of my notes. I'm like, oh my God, this is too bleak now that we talk about it. Well, let's, let's uh, remind everyone that you and I, neither of us are British, but, well, Mark might be. Um, but when I, like, I had no, my only context for Notting Hill was like a, a rom-com, right? Wasn't that with Hugh Grant Hugh and Grant. Julia Roberts? I think so. But how grotesque is that? Because well, that happens in this show too. Later episode, right, where Notting Hill becomes one of the locales for mass consumerism and all the cheap Chinese goods, and it's gentrification too, right? Yeah, we're living in it right here in this basement. <laughs> it's a fully gentrified basement. <laughs> I hope not. Um, all right, Oof. all right, power forward. I don't. I mean, we could talk about. Are uh, you ready for your YouTube comments yet? Or oh, let's do that. I'll lighten it up. Let's do that. Yeah, okay. Let's let's take a break. That Oof. might lighten the mood a little. I got some. I think I've got some good ones here. Oh, but no, I can't. We can't do it yet. We got to do it at the end of the show because it requires the the final moment. Uh, okay, you're making me move sound cues all around. Sorry, there. we get it's very distressing. We got the. We're now going to bring in the back to that individualism and the psycho- personal psychology movement. Oh, okay. Unpacking the human brain. That might be next. I'm, there might be something else first. That's next in my let's, notes. Let's my reporter's notebook. I have a reporter's receipt. Yeah, I'm looks... Writing my notes on. I didn't have my notebook handy, but you can't keep a good reporter down. Right? Find a way of getting directly at what was going on inside the brain. Ooh, Ooh let's dive into the human One brain. One of the key figures was a psychologist called Dr. Eckhard Hess. He had begun his career recording and analyzing animal behavior on film. Right here, there's the, the tragic image of this baby duckling following a fake duck into a trap door. You, right. Do you remember that? Yes. Oof. Now, he did the same with human beings. Oy. 
Dr. Hess had discovered that the pupils in the eyes of individuals oh. reacted dramatically when they were shown different kinds of images. The changes had nothing to do with the changes in the light. They came from within the human being. And Dr. Hess believed that they gave you a way of seeing the hidden emotional responses that were going on inside the mind. Feelings that the individual might not want to tell you about, or even be aware of. You were looking directly at the brain. Really, since the, the eye is very, very intimately a part of the brain, embryologically and anatomically, it is almost the same as though there were a piece of the brain sticking out, behaving, and all the world is there uh, to be able to see it. Powerful stuff. As a nascent thought leader in the uh, AI space, Mark, what I was reminded of with all this pupil talk is, uh, well, what came to mind, the question. Did the question? Did this research influence author Philip K. Dick, who wrote Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which mm. later became the feature film Blade Runner? Mm. I don't know if you remember, but the test that a Blade Runner issues to a replicant, or, well, to a subject to discover if it is a replicant, is zeroes in on the pupil. Yeah, absolutely. It's watching the pupil, and it's uh, they don't show them images as much as they like say, hey, you're in the desert and you see a turtle flipped over on its back, but you don't turn it over and save it. You just stare at it. And it's like trying to elicit this emotional response that they're tracking. I, I can only assume that Philip K. I Dick was aware of this well. research. A, a, a trope that would also manifest in Minority Report with Tom Cruise. I don't think it does. Well, he has to remove his eyeball, remember? That was the what? one identifying thing you couldn't... Well, I know, but that but that's not the same. They weren't like they weren't indexing the movement of the pupil similar. to chart an emotional response. Mark, it's science fiction in eyes, dude. No, it's not the same thing. No, it's not. But I guess that makes it clear as to why I am the nascent thought leader in the AI space. Gosh, you've just begun you, to crack you just the code. Stick to natural <laughs> natural products, Mark. Yeah, that's fine. You go ahead with your little forward thinking space movies. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the Garden of Eden, Mark. If A you must know, time where we were all nude. The in the design Unashamed. world, Minority Report is most lauded for its use of a sort of a ghost interface in front of you. You control Absolutely. with your hands, yeah, of course. I know that. It's nothing to do with the eyeballs, Mark. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a moment that needs to be unpacked further in your next blog post for AI Sympathist Weekly. <laughs> oh, Mark. Josh, what's next? As we study the human brain, it's going to spiral down quickly oh oh well, that was the cue spiral yeah. down quickly here it comes the it's, implications are dire it's like a There's it's like a, a dark force ooh. being unleashed like a banana spit into a face mask so, so are, are we days of our lives spiraling downward like an hourglass sheds its sand. 35 years later, Kahneman was going to be given the Nobel Prize for a theory that began with his work in the 1960s. Listen to that music. He would come to believe that what we think of as the self is really just a small part of something else hidden inside our brains. A much larger part of the brain 
that actually experiences the world outside. But that experience makes no sense. It is just an ongoing chaotic rush of biochemical data oh. that flashes up and fades away. And what humans think of as their self is actually an accessory that tries to make sense of oh. this chaotic mass of incoming data. But to do that, it has to simplify and turn that data into stories that are sometimes so simplified that they bear little relationship to the reality outside. There was more to that. Oh, sorry. That's Oh, Jesus. You missed the... What? Well, fine. Well, what was it, Mark? <laughs> Lay it on me. It seems like that's a heavy moment. Well, yeah, we're telling it like the... the that what? you... Okay. Go ahead. No, but, but by all means. Well, I mean, I think what it's saying is that the only way we hold ourselves together is through stories, through these stories that we tell ourselves. You assume that yourself is the driving force in your life when in actuality it is a small accessory to this, what he called that chaotic rush of biochemical data coming in, you're processing in the dark, you don't know how you're doing it, right? No, you have no idea. And so to make sense of things, you simplify, you tell stories, sometimes they aren't real. But what it's make, oh. what, the implication, implication, which you're going to, which you would get to is that you don't understand the world. It is pointless to try to change it. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Changing the world is pointless. The only thing you can do is sort of placate the demon of the ongoing rush and try to just chill out and enjoy life for a little while, but don't try to change it. Smoke a doobie, man. That's why these revolutionaries are failing. Well, that's easy to say from the comfort of a heated basement, Mark. And it's going to lead to a whole bunch of other stuff with all the, all the urban guerrilla warfare and the terrorism and these, these wild attempts to quiet those demons and exert some control over the systems that are beyond your control. It, it calls to mind the hero's journey as well, Mark. Joseph Campbell. Well, think about it. If all we have... Keeping us together as I'm just thinking of anybody listening at this point. <laughs> it calls to mind the hero. They're like off. <laughs> Who doesn't love the hero's journey? Everybody, lo- it's all we're all on a hero's journey, Josh. No, but what the what that I think what that uh, uh, <laughs> what what uh, Joseph Campbell is saying though. If you've I I haven't completely read all of the hero's journey, or no, the hero of the thousand faces. I think it's called. But it's the idea that throughout the history of mankind. If you trace myth back as far as it goes, we keep telling the same stories over and over again. Yes. Yes. And I mean, it's, it's at an accelerated point now to the, to the degree that we're getting like the fourth or fifth Batman reboot. Ugh. But, we, but we, we love these same stories told over and over again with only minor tweaks. And while it, you know, it's easy to say that we're just lazy and we can't come up with new material. Maybe Late part of it is capitalism. Yep. But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that these stories are actually almost part of our DNA. Right. Like they're but they prevent us, us from changing and creating a new reality. You could also even argue, Mark, that the story Zach Snyder cut is not going to create a new reality. I, I'm afraid it's not going to. But what if, Mark? What if the story of evolution itself, of evolution from cellular single cell organisms of the breasts and the buttocks becoming mirror images what no oh you're trying to go desmond morris <laughs> yep. no my point was that 
maybe evolution is a form of the hero's journey, right? Because, ah. because evolution occurs when something goes a little bit rogue, right? Mm. And, mm. and takes things in a new direction. Hmm. So maybe the hero- not if you're a bunch of white liberals and they're controlling it, amassing the data and managing. well, that's possible too. I guess my only point was maybe maybe the reason these stories endure is twofold. Hmm. It's the brain's way of making a. sense of chaos, and but two. it's also uh, an expression as as mankind has been able to Our express itself essence. and tell stories. The story we're telling is the story of evolution. It's the story of life itself. You may have created a silver lining, Josh. Does that not free you from anxiety? Mark? There is a ray of hope you have entered into the Curtis Pantheon. Yeah. That he will not take up and develop as a real thread. So but we can. It, it does call to mind the hero's journey. We are going to revisit that topic. <laughs> Who doesn't love the hero's journey? Who doesn't love BBC buddies? God, I'm loving it. Bleak though it may be, I am. Well. I'm titillated. I feel like I feel like maybe there's some more points we could just jump over here. Mass electronic surveillance. Well, do you want to get to that soundbite here? Well, you, I was saying we could just cut to the end, but do you want to? Keep you don't going? want one more soundbite? All right, one more soundbite. Do you want to cue it up? Because because it jumps in after, right? It's like someone in East Germany, right? An East German scientist who who figures out a way to use algorithms, right? Computers to, and algorithms to sniff out those urban guerrilla terrorists yep. within, and it works. Successfully. Successfully They've finds them, they arrest them. Um, it was not just an unthinking technique. Profiling, Josh. By studying all the data, he had, he believed, come to understand that the terrorists were just herald. a tiny part of something much bigger that was happening all across the world. Something that those in power did not yet comprehend. And in 1973, he made an extraordinary speech. Mark Brush was born. The world that he saw coming. <laughs> the violence and the horror that the terrorists created, he said, did not just happen because of something evil or sick inside their heads. It was a reaction to the new system of power that was rising up across the world. It was the system that the radicals had identified in the 1960s the new global networks of multinational corporations and international finance that they believed were ruthlessly exploiting the world. If you want to get rid of the terrorism, Harold said, oh. there are two alternatives. Here we go. You either use political power to change and reform that global system, or you decide to systematically control the people and their anger and their discontent but to do that, you would have to create surveillance networks, like the one he had built, but on a global scale. Enter the iPhone. <laughs> well, th that's what I'm thinking as I hear that. It's like, here we are at this ev the, ev the maturation of that idea, Facebook, social media data. We've never had more mm -hmm. ability to control the masses, and yet, popping off left and right. People don't, people don't like it. Well, no, people don't like it, but, but I mean, what's startling you is... You can't control the people. You're trying. You've never had more ability to, but they are not being controlled well right now. I feel like, by and large, people are being controlled fairly well. No? Well, I mean, maybe it hasn't gone as far as you would like, so there's real change, but there are thousands marching in the streets periodically <laughs> for That's various true. reasons. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it eventually dies down. 
as well, people as for a while as the majority of people are placated once again by that old that, navy t-shirts that's the question is the is the control via facebook etc going to be enough to keep tamping it down keep 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 or is it is popping off will it break free on its hero's journey <laughs> well what's crazy too is when you hear his prescription, right, you can either change the system or just surveil well, with everybody. political control, power and political control. Right, but you would assume, or I would think that maybe at that time, the thinking was like, well, we'll have to force this matrix on top of people, right? We'll have to, it'll be forced oh, they surveillance. Just, they no. want to eat it up. It's willing surveillance. Oh, my God. We're thrilled to carry tracking devices on us with microphones and cameras. Post our every whim. Yeah, logging every FAP sesh. <laughs> In a special app called FAP Better. FAP Tracker. <laughs> FAP Tracker. Oh my God. You million dollar billion dollar idea. Well, Josh, from there you're gonna go to the downward spiral of Michael X Michael X, Michael DeFreitas. Not pretty. No, he goes back to Trinidad. I think it's Trinidad, right? He tries to create a university of the alternative. He's really just selling weed. He's grown and selling weed. He ends up killing someone. Well, he brings one of the revolutionaries, a white, white liberal girl. revolutionary, I think, goes with him down there. And when she realizes that he's just selling weed and not and really trying all the to money. affect change, I think she confronts him. He has his henchmen beat right. her to death, and then they bury her in a shallow grave. He tries to go to Guyana? Guyana? Ghana? Ghana? Somewhere where the flute and the bone are. Yeah, he goes up that same that river. mystical flute river, but they catch him and he's thrown Well, he in jail. loses his mind. Does he kill himself or does he just die in jail? BBC buddies. Yeah, I think he killed... BBC... Goodbye! And we're going to end this episode, Josh. Okay. Well, well, we're going to lighten it up a little bit? Well, we're going to... No, the final um, bit of content out of the show, which will lead us into the YouTube comments, is the... Oh, wait. No, I think that was all the clips. Yeah, no, that's all the clips. I'm just, this, it just, we can speak about it and then go to the YouTube clips because we're going to have the revolutions dying, right? The Panther 21, Afeni Shakur. No, 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 not yet. Oh, that was too soon? <laughs> that was too soon. You're not going to stop it though, huh? Well, we could do it now and bring it back in later. That's fine. All right, well, you know. Remember this court case where the it's, it's amazing, yeah. The undercover like, agents have infiltrated the Black Panthers as they... Well, and Shakur sniffs them out. She's like, I she think, wins this, the I argument. Think the leader, but before they even get arrested, she's like, I'm pretty sure this guy is an agent, planted in here. Advocating escalating levels of violence. Like, like bombing the Botanic Gardens doing and Macy's. And then he gets stuff. confronted. He shoots some bullets into a table. Yep. The rest of the revolutionaries side with him. But then, yep. in a twist, she was right. They go to trial. She has a conversation. She describes it not as interrogating, but like he, she starts conversing with the undercover agent. He's like, yeah, you guys are doing some good work in the community. Yeah, most of the violence was our idea. Yeah, it's <laughs> stunning. Stunning. So he, I mean, the she, Black Panthers were off, quote, doing their own shit while the undercover agents were planning terror, right? Yeah, which is like exactly what you'd expect. Corruption of the, of the revolutionary force. Another theme from the Curtis world. Fucking tragic. It is tragic, and she, it gets normal. Shakur cuts a heroic figure, though. She does, but then she dies 
drug, I think it's drugs. Yeah. Later in her life, not right away. All the, so these revolutions dying, social injustice is not being cured or improved. And the revolutionary figures, leaders of the movement. We we, you have Eldridge Cleaver wearing his revolutionary trousers. Oh, right. You don't remember this? I do. His special revolutionary trousers that have a, it has a flap, I think, for you can liberate the penis. Oh, that's right. He's marketing them. Yeah, and uh, and so you had you he had sells out in the most unusual way. Well, and then another guy's doing a barbecue, BBQ sauce or something. Anyway, but revolutionary leaders now selling these revolutionary trousers. You had said in the previous episode of this docu series commentary that at the end of this episode it had brought you to tears, and I was wondering, is this the moment that brought you to tears? No, it was actually episode three. Okay. We'll get to that next week or weeks, but. It's episode three that brought me the tears. Well, they, they all kind of blur together, especially when, you, as I prescribed, you watch them at night, you fall asleep. That's right. You dream about them, and then you wake up and retread. Well, you just needed to have that reminder about the revolutionary trousers so that we can go to the YouTube comments. They're coming right up. Uh, but I mean, in a way, like <sighs> all of this makes you want to cry, right? That's all I wanted to say. I can't get it out of my head. It makes me want to cry. I feel like the show's over, but it's not. Well, I thought you wanted to do some YouTube. I'm going to throw some YouTube. All right, you ready? Yeah. Here we go, Josh. From the YouTube comments section, go check it out firsthand. Adam Curtis Documentaries or some handle like that. Blind Tube Mayor says two words revolutionary trousers. All right, those were your two favorite words, I think. No, I just blather the trousers. Blatherskite. Blatherskite. He gives us a time cue of twenty six forty five and says, "I know Brian Eno's ambient four on land when I hear it." All right, Adam Curtis makes some god level soundtrack choices, reiterating the point we've made before. One of the most impressive stylistic points of the show. M Space E says, "I'm surprised they trousers didn't catch on." People like the trousers on the People comment. Can't get over the, the penis flap, I guess. Adam Levy. Nothing could have possibly prepared me for Eldridge Cleaver's revolutionary pants. What is this? Is the sticking point? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Of all the crazy shit. Uh, Jesse Ewell's film. Love those needle drops. Goddamn. So we've got the trousers and the music. All right. I'm going to err on the side of the music. Juan Julio Jesus Jimenez. That's a lot of J's. Become fascists to own the fascists. Ooh. Come on now. That's biting. That is Biden? That's biting. That's Biden. Yeah, maybe. Donald Tournier. Quibble. Michael X did not leave London in disgust. He left England because two of his associates in the Black House, arrested for the torture and extortion of a businessman, had ratted him out. His bail was paid by John Lennon, and he fled to Trinidad immediately. He might have still been disgusted. I like people sort of fact-checking. Hey, I don't mind. Who who knows if they're right or wrong. Patrick Masson, been up for a week, 108,504 views. I don't know what the end of this series is going to conclude, but I've made mine. I am doomed. Well, there's your problem right there. I am doomed or we are doomed? uh, What an individualist. Only thinking of himself. Patrick. Come on, Patrick. Take the empathy pill. I since checked. We're up to over 300,020 views. Mm. 
not bad, I guess. I, this podcast must be catching on. Yeah, I think so. Yaxley says, Adam, I'm scared. Please comfort me. It's not going to happen, Yaxley. Chaz Cannon says, cogent rambling, killer soundtrack. <laughs> so that's a review in, a, in four words. AWOL peace. Hegemony takes two to tango. Grow your mind. That's what this is all about. All right, Josh. I got one more street. Yep, one more left from O'Donoghue Everson. Alexa, tell the baddies you and my TV work for that revolutionary pants will catch on. Okay. I don't know what that means, but there are many replies to it. Oh, boy. Oh, no. I mixed, mixed it up. Sorry. One more. P. Harger. I'm always amazed at how I learn more about American history from watching British documentaries than from anywhere else. Ooh, take that, Ken Burns. Reply from S. Charlesworth. British documentaries, Swedish documentaries, basically any non-American documentaries. Burn! Reply from Jake Kellen Verkaterin. I was going to say, Swedish docs are always chef's kiss. <sighs> Swedish docs? What are, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I guess sa- we, I'm saying this because I know you're going to go down a Swedish dock hole. Once well, I am here. a Swede. And a German. A reply from Consmo Lamon. Any specific recommendations? Oh, here we go. Reply again from Jake Kellen Verkoteren. As my man mentioned, I don't know, Black Power Mixtape 67 to 75 is awesome. Okay. Back to Ararat. I called him Morgan. There's three wrecks for you right there. And if you like music, the 1988 Red Hot Chili Peppers doc. Wait, so you're telling me there's a Swedish Red Hot Chili Peppers doc that I need to check out? 1988 Red Hot Chili Peppers doc's personal fave of Jake Kellen Verkotteren. Okay, well, it is time to close out the show. All done. Last episode, I introduced you to the image of myself, uh, nude and supine under a weighted blanket, yes. hovering above a subwoofer, yes. watching this documentary. Yes. I've we've discussed how deep I feel, how the, the the depth of the connection I'm feeling to the soundtrack. Right. Ah. So let me take you back. Picture me now uh, as a middle schooler. I'm going to say an eighth grader, sup- supine once again in bed. Discman resting on my chest, headphones on, trying to drift off to sleep, listening to the Dances with Wolves soundtrack. <laughs> I love I love that movie and I love the music. I, I can still like what is even on the soundtrack? It's an original score by John Barry. Okay. It's just deeply emotional and soaring hey, and somber let me, let me music. Add it to my lists here. Well, here's why I bring it up. I told you that I I found a YouTube uh, playlist of of all the music that's in this documentary. Well, I found... There's a handful of John Barry contributions, mostly like television soundtrack work that he did. And a lot of it's kind of avant-garde, but when I listen to it, I can hear. I can hear those nuggets. I can hear wisps of what was to come in the Dances with Wolves soundtrack. (laughs) Well, there's also a whole, I haven't listened to it yet, but it's a, I saved it. Let me look it up. It's a YouTube playlist. I think it's, I found it on his own. He had saved it to his own channel. He himself? To the, the Adam Curtis documentary channel. a boy. And it is called uh, Playlists. 
Amazing Music for Inspiration and Healing. Okay. Let's see what's on it. I'll just give you a few. Why don't you hit uh, Command F and search up Barry? Oh, Chronos Corner. It's just a a playlist built off of. There's no. Okay, you got Chronos Quartet, Clint Mansell, Brad Meldow, Barry. I like him. He's great. Max Richter, LaRue, DJ Shadow, Tricky. Nils from Massive Attack, et cetera, et cetera, Air, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No John Barry on that one, huh? <laughs> so far, no. Nicholas Jar, oh. Miles Davis. That was one of the last concerts I went to. Nicholas Jar. Oh, you did? It was jarring. It was. There was. That was a, that was a cut. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think last time we closed with Marlene Dietrich, which oh, right. was. In the episode, I think we're gonna we're gonna do a little twist this time. Let's listen to Bob Dylan playing uh, oh, Maggie's farm. Say John Barry. I mean, that would be a good twist too. We'll save that for a later date. But how Maggie's about Maggie's farm's a rocker to go out on? Yeah, and it's it's from Newport. It's Absolutely. live, mic'd up, and you be the judge. You tell me if you hear people booing or clapping. Well, and I, this might have been the first song of the set. I can't remember. But, I mean, he came out. Well, you were there. A, I mean, you. It was a complete surprise. Nobody had expected this. Nobody knew what was hitting them. They were expecting a nice, quiet folk set of protest songs, and they got this. Come on. 